You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. A few special interesting events that happened in the house of Zainab. A number of Mufassireen have mentioned that Ayatul Hijab, the verse of Hijab was revealed in her house. Now, what do we mean when we say the verse of Hijab? Using the word Hijab. What do Mufassirs mean when they say the verse of Hijab? Which Hijab are they referring to? See, there is one verse in the Quran that mentions the word Hijab. It's that verse. The hijab that we know, the head covering, the khimar for instance, that's not mentioned in the Quran using the word hijab. Some people today they're trying to find the word hijab in the Quran. If if the Quran says women have to wear hijab, then yes. So nowhere does the Quran say hijab, so we don't have hijab. Some people are making these claims. The Quran talks about the concept of hijab, but not using the word hijab. The word hijab linguistically just means barrier. Why later on the headscarf became known as hijab? What kind of a barrier is it? It conceals the head, the hair. So it's a barrier that does not allow men to see the hair. That's why it's called hijab. But in the Quran, the hijab is not called hijab. We have another word for it, for instance, khimar, which was a head covering that covers your body. That's the word khimar. And in fact, um, some scholars of uh, linguistics have noted that the root word of khamr has to do with covering the head. That's why khamr, wine is called khamr. What does it do with the head? It blocks the intellect. Now the hijab blocks your hair from being seen, so they call it khimar. See, another variation of khamr. Interesting in Arabic, how these root words, how these various words go back to one root meaning. So the Quran uses the word khimar, which means head covering. Doesn't use the word hijab to refer to the hijab that we know. But in one verse in Surah Al-Ahzab, verse 53, Allah does mention hijab. In what context is it used? Exactly. So it was in Zainab's house, after the wedding, after the Prophet married Zainab, Allah commanded him, to make a big invitation. Remember the Prophet was very humble. Normally he would not make big invitations and spend on the food. But Allah instructed him, this wedding is special. Why? Because I commanded you to marry Zainab to break all these traditions. So I want you to invite as many people as you can so people vividly see this marriage. It was a way to publicize this marriage and that the Prophet has married Zainab to break these traditions. So the Prophet invited a lot of people to his house to give them the wedding meal. They call it walima in Arabic. Usually it's for a day, two days, three days. It's mustahab to give a meal for three days after a wedding. According to Islamic law, it's mustahab. So not just one wedding. Now we have three weddings to deal with, right? (laughs) But remember, Islamic weddings are very simple. You just invite people and you give them food, you know. You can still have a gift box. You can have a gift box, that's nice. (laughs) So the Prophet invited the companions, they came. 
Now, two things, I don't want to say annoyed the Prophet, because the Prophet is of such a high character, we don't even use words. But two things were inappropriate that happened. See, let's say the meal is at 4 p.m. Some companions showed up way earlier than that because they wanted to be the first to get the food. Okay, yalla, the Prophet will deal with that, people coming to your house before it. But then what's troubling is that some companions stayed longer. So when the meal was over, everybody got, out, got up to leave except three companions, they stayed. They kept sitting and chatting and chatting and chatting in the Prophet's room, in the Prophet's house. And remember when we say Prophet's house, don't think of this luxurious 10,000 square feet house. We're talking about a room, that's the Prophet's house, it's just a room. So a group of companions would come, they'd eat, they'd go. Another group would come, they would eat, they would go. Everybody left except these three guys, they started chatting. But the Prophet is very polite, he sat there, you know, how is he going to signal to them, okay leave, I'm busy, I'm, the, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm the head of state, I'm a prophet, I've got business, you guys don't have anything to do, I'm busy, leave. But how's the prophet going to communicate that to them? So the prophet sat, sat, okay there was no hope of these guys getting up and leaving. So the prophet he got up. Anas, the servant of the prophet, he says, I got up with the prophet, and when the Prophet left the house, that was his polite way of signaling to them, okay, leave guys, this is my house, I need, I, I have, you know, things to do. So the Prophet went to do a few things for a while, then he came back. When he came back, he saw these guys still sitting in the house, <laughs> chatting as if nothing happened. Now this disturbed the Prophet but the Prophet didn't say anything. Look at the akhlaq of the Prophet. Who has the audacity to do something like that to a king, to a president, especially in the past? But look at the beautiful akhlaq of the Prophet. So when the Prophet came back, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse. Allah had to break that <laughs> habit of these three guys. Allah revealed verse 53 of Surah Al-Ahzab. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu, O people who believe, here's some instructions. And these instructions are just common sense. SubhanAllah, some people don't even have common sense. First of all, don't enter the homes of the Prophet except with permission. Because some people, some of those companions, they felt they could enter and storm into the Prophet's house whenever they wanted. It's as if the Prophet is their employee. You go and see him whenever you want, storm into his house. The Quran said, no, get permission. Get clear permission from the Prophet to enter. You can't just storm in because the Arabs had that custom of just breaking into someone's house if they need it for something, not even Ya Allah, Ya Allah, just go in the house and do whatever you want. Yes, they had that tradition. You don't need to knock or have an appointment, no khalas, just go, you need something, just go. You need to see someone, just go storm into his house. Some of them did have that, uh, unfortunately that custom. Not even a text message? No, no, no text messages, no phone calls, no pagers, nothing, just storm in. So the Quran says, seek permission. Don't just go in like that. If there's an invitation, the Prophet, he himself tells you to come, come. Okay, if the Prophet invites you, you're welcome, enter. If you eat, leave. Allah's commanding the Muslims, the believers, if you eat, don't sit and chat and disturb the Prophet, just leave. 
Don't think you can sit there and chat and have a good time. This hurts the Prophet, this disturbs the Prophet, it annoys the Prophet. But the Prophet, because of his haya, he's shy, he's embarrassed to tell you that. But Allah is not embarrassed. Allah has to make it very clear that this is the truth. Make sure you respect the Prophet. Now, up until this point, we're not talking about hijab yet, we're talking about proper etiquette. By the way, this is uh, instruction for all Muslims, not just with the Prophet. Anywhere you go, seek permission. Anywhere you go, make sure you're not disturbing someone. If you're a guest at someone's house, make sure you're polite, you're respectful. If you're invited, go. If you're not, if you're not invited, don't go. And if you feel the, the owners of the house have things to do, don't you know disturb them and ruin their schedule. I, I've heard of so many crazy stories of people showing up unannounced from other countries or states without even making arrangements or notifying the people and they just come and stay there for a month. Yes, Islam tells the hosts, do uh, care for your guests, but remember your, your hosts also have work to do. Make sure that you talk to them, make arrangements, don't just show up unannounced like that and then expect them to be with you 24-7. This is an etiquette of moral standards that the Qur'an is teaching us. Then here the verse of hijab starts. وَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمُوهُنَّ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُوهُنَّ مِنْ وَرَائِي حِجَابٍ Another Arab custom was that if you needed an item, a utensil, an appliance, just go into your neighbor's house, hey can I use the pot? Can I use this? Do you have that? I need a lamp, I need this, I need a knife. You just go in, you borrow it, and then you give it back. This was very common. So the neighbors of the Prophet would do that. Every single day one of them is storming into the, into the Prophet's house hey, and he's speaking to the wives of the Prophet. Hey, give me this knife. Zainab, give me this knife. Aisha, give me this. Um Salama, give me that. The Quran found this troubling. These men constantly going into the Prophet's house and borrowing things, it doesn't work like that. So the Quran says, if you need to go and ask for some objects, things, appliances, fine. The Prophet's generous, he will not say to anyone, I won't lend you anything. Make sure when you're asking something from the Prophet's wives, there should be a curtain, a barrier, then you politely ask, let the Prophet's wife bring it from behind the curtain, give you the appliance and you take it. But you don't go in the room with her, even if she's in hijab, she could be in full hijab, but it's not appropriate for a man to be with the Prophet's wife in the room. Let there be a barrier like a curtain, from behind the curtain ask them, don't go into the room. Stand at the door, usually at the door they would have a curtain. Behind, from behind the curtain, make the request. A few questions here. Number one, is this law applicable to all Muslim women or is this specific to the wives of the Prophet? Number two, if it is specific to the wife of the Prophet, is this preferential treatment for the Prophet? Why? Why this privilege that Allah is giving only to the Prophet? Or as some Orientalists would say, see, we see efforts by Muhammad to isolate his wives from society. 
So they say yes, he started very progressive with Khadija salam. She was a businesswoman, very open. But then when he became the head of state, we see him implementing policies that marginalize women, lock them in their room, no interaction whatsoever. This is a serious objection that a lot of Orientalists will state. I, I would like to share that with you because it's important to address that. So how do we understand this verse of hijab? So this verse of hijab is not talking about the head covering, it has nothing to do with that. It says put a barrier, O you men, when you go and ask the Prophet's wives for appliances, put a barrier. It's not talking about the head covering. And this is the only instance where the Quran uses the word hijab when it comes to female-male interaction. So number one, is this law applicable to all women or just the Prophet's wives? So if uh, your wife is at home or a woman, your mother, your sister is at home and someone comes and he wants to grab something, take an item, borrow some money, take an appliance, must they according to Islamic law put a barrier and a curtain or as long as they're in proper hijab fully covered that's fine. So which is it? Is it a special law that applies to the wives of the Prophet or this is a general law? It's a special law, right. So we understand from the Quran, the tafsir and the ahadith that explain the tafsir, this was a special law that was only applicable to the wives of the Prophet. It was not a general law that had to be upheld by all women in society. So it's a special law. Why? Number two, why is it a special law? Why this preferential treatment or this uh, type of treatment only for the Prophet's wives? Is the, pro is the Prophet trying to isolate his wives? Let's, let's rationally analyze that. Any thoughts? Why would Allah ask the believers to only observe this law with the Prophet's wives? Why? What's unique in these cases? Any ideas? Yes, brother. Maybe it has to do with their um, the legal status that's talked about. <coughs> the legal status, which is? That they can't marry anyone after. Exactly. That's the first reason. See, the Quran, one reason why it did not want men to be exposed to the Prophet's wives and see them, because see, when you go and grab an appliance, you, you might see their face, maybe an arm, something. It, it happens, right? Why did the Quran not want men, we're talking about strangers, right? Not, not relatives, relatives can go and see the, the, the wives of the Prophet, like the, the brothers-in-law of the Prophet, that's fine. We're talking about non-mahram men. The Quran did not want them to go and see the Prophet's wives because the Prophet's wives were prohibited from remarrying after the Prophet. This was a special law to honor the Prophet, his wives could not remarry after him. So it's not appropriate to have men seeing them constantly because see if, if they could remarry after the Prophet, okay, maybe a man sees them, he liked one of them. This happens, it's very normal. But he says, okay, now that the Prophet's alive, it's haram for me to have any of these thoughts. But once, you know, after the Prophet, if I live after the Prophet, I'll go and I marry her. <coughs> a lot of people would, would be in situations like that. They're interested in a woman, but they don't say anything to be polite and pious. But let's say if the husband dies, he'll go and propose. It was very normal. 
But you can't do that with the Prophet's wives. You can't go and propose after him. So it's best for men not to see them. So they would not be interested in them. Because once you're a Prophet's wife, that's it. There's no way possible on earth you can be with any other man. Even if the Prophet passes away. So you see the wisdom behind it? Any objections to this part? Can't you also um, take it also for other women? Not to say that, I understand that part. Uh, Remember, we're assuming they're in full hijab. Yeah, yeah. Not their hair is not exposed, their butt. We're assuming they're full in hijab. But because the Prophet's wives cannot remarry, you just have to be more strict over here. Because now if somebody happens to be interested in them, there's no way out. What do you do? With other women there is. She could be divorced, right? She could be divorced, her husband could die, and you could marry her. It would happen. This was something very common by the way. Especially in that society where remarriages, second marriages and third marriages were so common. But this does not apply to the Prophet's wives. So it's safest to limit male interaction with them. If the Prophet divorces a wife, can she get remarried? If he divorces her, possibly, I, I can look into it, yes. No, it did not happen. It did not happen where the Prophet divorced one and she got remarried. I'll look into it. There are, there are two, we'll examine in our next classes, there are two or three that the Prophet divorced. But the marriage was not consummated. We'll, we'll talk about why the Prophet divorced them. I'll look into that inshallah. Yeah, the Quran, the, the, the space, the, the, not the space, the case that it is prohibiting is to marry the Prophet's wives after him. Min it says after him no one can marry them. Anyways, we can look into that inshallah. So, this is a special case with the Prophet that if he passes away, his wives cannot remarry and therefore it was safer to limit that interaction. That's the first reason. The second reason, remember the Prophet had a lot of enemies. He was targeted. There were many people in Medina, around Medina hypocrites or others that were conspiring. So giving that easy access all the time into the house of the Prophet was not a wise thing to do. You need to protect this man. This man's targeted. People are trying to find anything in his private life to expose him, to ruin his reputation, to tarnish him. And so having these men going into the Prophet's house and seeing his woman or interacting with them was not something appropriate. Because the Prophet was targeted and uh, many people would send, let's say spies or someone into the Prophet's house to pick up anything and turn it into a story. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, wanted to close that door because you have a unique situation here. The Prophet isn't just anyone, he's a community leader, he's the Prophet of God and that would be a window for the hypocrites to go and uh, create some trouble or they would be in contact with the Prophet's wives and maybe uh, mobilize them against the Prophet, you never know. So limit the access, just granting free access like that was not appropriate. And when these verses were revealed, the hypocrites were disappointed and that's proof that the enemies got disappointed. 
Why is Muhammad limiting us? Why can't we go to his house and speak to his wives? They were hurt because they had ulterior motives and so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to close that door. Yes. Did this rule also apply to imams in connection? That if, if you're the wife of an imam and the imam dies or the imam divorces? No, this is specific only to Rasulullah There are laws that only and only apply, apply to the Prophet uh, these, these, This law does not apply to the imams of Ahlul Bayt. Going backwards any of the previous Prophets? Not that I know of, no. Um, there, there is a book called Khasa'is al-Rasul. There are several hundred or several thousand unique laws that only apply to Prophet Muhammad in the history of humankind, yes. So these laws are specific to only Prophet Muhammad and they were not shared by any other Prophet in history and this is one of them.